Welcome to Swanglinese, the only podcast talking the language of business here in the Middle East. Your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Andermo, give you their own insights as well as interviewing business leaders in the region to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. Barry, Oscar, let's talk Swanglinese. Hello and a very warm welcome to this episode of the podcast. This week in the studio, I have the pleasure of Akanksha joining me. Hi, Akanksha, how are you? Hi, Barry. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Great. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I'm really looking forward to talking to you a bit about your story, um, your professional journey so far, and uh, sharing some of your experience, really, with our our listeners. Um, With all of our guests, what we like to do is turn back the clock, go back to the beginning in terms of your professional career, uh, and just give us a bit of an introduction of uh, who Akanksha is, why you got into what you got into originally, and then we'll sort of run the timeline up to today, our conversation today, why we're talking, uh, and, and perhaps a little bit about your organization reset. So take us back in time, Akanksha. Sure. So I am a journalist. I am the founder of Reset, which is an online news organization and platform that focuses on providing stories and resources around mental health, well-being, education, parenting, gender, and inclusion. We're one of the only few publications in the world that do daily original reporting around these subjects. And the idea of Reset was born from the fact that um, particularly around mental health and inclusion and even gender, there's still a lot of stigma and misinformation that exists, particularly in communities of color, uh, in South Asian communities and other communities. So the aim uh, for us was to provide a safe space where people can access resources, uh, hear others' lived experiences, share their own stories, as well as look at the intersection between policy and a lot of these topics as well, because there was obviously have a big impact on how these play out in our daily lives and how these are perceived. Mm -hmm. I was born in India and I grew up between Dubai and Toronto and I did my undergrad in Toronto uh, in journalism from the University of Toronto and from there I moved to New York to do my master's in South Asian studies and international affairs at Columbia University and from there I ended up joining CNN um, as an intern and uh, from there I made my way to Vice News as a production assistant and then I became an associate producer Uh, and moved to Vice's Canada office where I was there for I think about maybe three years or so and I got to work on some incredible stories and meet uh, you know some of the best names in the business Mm. and learn from them including at CNN and Vice and finally I decided that it was time for me to do something of my own and uh, that's how Reset was born. Mm-hmm. Interesting. How was, I mean, was this interest in those topic areas that Reset covers? Is that something that's kind of been present through your time at CNN and also at Vice? Did it, was it being a part of those organizations that, that helped you to see that there wasn't enough coverage around these kind of areas? Or has it just been something that you've always been consciously aware that you really wanted to push? I think it's um, mainstream media in general typically doesn't focus as much on these. Um, Even if you look uh, at a lot of like uh, how Black Lives Matter is covered or anything along those, there's always, um, you're always going to, a lot of organizations miss that nuance. 
or what's needed. Similarly, it's the same thing with mental health, right? Like how you talk about mental health is very different. If you say uh, so-and-so is suffering from mental health issues versus if you say so-and-so is living with a mental health challenge or is experiencing mental health challenges, just look at how those are perceived Mm -hmm. where you're not making the person's entire life about their condition and what they're going through. Um, So I think part of it was that nuance was missing. There's also that um, sort of, uh, I would say, cultural sensitivity or understanding. It's very easy to say, go have a conversation with your parents about mental health. Mm -hmm. But how are you going to have that, you know, conversation with your parents who probably have no idea what mental health is? Because there is that, you know, generational gap, there is that immigration, uh, you know, immigrant uh, gap that does exist. So it's the need to be able to fill that and just look beyond, even for something um, as simple uh, yet complicated as gender. You know, we want gender equality, but how does it play out in homes? Mm. You know, how does it play out in patriarchal societies? How does toxic masculinity affect boys as well as girls so that's where the idea of reset uh, came to be okay it's interesting so the 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 platform it provides this information because you said at the beginning it's the only one that does it it's on a daily basis right you've got got content coming out on a daily basis around these yeah. areas of mental health of inclusion uh, and, and and the others that you've listed there and how are you collating all of that information because that's i've looked through obviously the platform and there's there's so much information on there where's it all coming from we have an incredible team of journalists who are part uh, of this initiative, and uh, they—it's basically uh, them uh, working and you know doing their jobs and getting it all out there because they—they they are people who believe in this and believe that we need to bring about change, uh, whether it's on the mental health front or gender or even inclusion. Right. No, I agree. And this is uh, this is something that crosses over into some of the work that I do with uh, cyber safety and so forth. And I'd like to just come back to the point you made there about the generational divide, because this plays into um, the issues that we see playing out in the online space with mum and dad uh, not understanding the um, the platforms and uh, their children being digital native, jumping straight on them, getting them, understanding how to use them, but not understanding the implications of some of their actions. Is this the same thing? Is it the same kind of thing with, uh, let's take mental health, because obviously there's a lot of stigma attached to mental health. We've seen this trend over, I don't know, maybe the last 12 months, maybe even 24 months of it becoming more, and I use air quotes on this, acceptable to talk about this. Um, it, how, how big a part does the generational gap play in that, especially for something like mental health? I think it plays a huge role because even if you, like my grandfather, I'll give you an example, my grandfather, my mom's dad is absolutely a feminist. He made sure that my mom attended the best schools. She did her MBA. She did her PhD. He, she was never, you know, uh, quote unquote, told that you're a girl, so you can't do this. Mm-hmm. She was given equal, if not more opportunities back in the day growing up in India, uh, you know, than her brothers. She was part of the cricket team. He was there at every match. She was part of, you know, her school's soccer team. Everything that she wanted to do, she was encouraged to do. And um, so I would, in the, you know, general sense, he's a feminist. But mm. he, if, if you ask him at 91, are you a feminist? He's going to look at me and be like, what, what does a feminist mean? Mm-hmm. Right? right. So it's even concepts and terms such as mental health or depression or anxiety that 
if there's a lack of understanding as to what these conditions actually are or what it actually means. So mm-hmm. there is that need to be able to address those and, you know, start from the basic ground up and raise awareness that, okay, depression means this, your child isn't, you know, quote unquote crazy, uh, or, you know, your child just telling your child snap out of it, I had it tougher, I had to walk 10 miles to school is not going to help your child. And part of the reason a child can also develop mental health challenges is because of the notion that my child must be like a lawyer, doctor, engineer, or anything along those lines to fit into that box, because there's that what will people say, or, you know, our name in society has to uh, be protected. These are a lot of real uh, issues that children of color face. So it definitely does play a huge role, in my opinion, Um, and especially based on our reporting, and we've talked to thousands and thousands of young people across the world. And these are very real topics for them to the point, like some of them can't go for therapy because their parents don't understand why it's important and they won't pay for it. Right. That also brings up the need for us to have more accessible resources, which is something that we do at Reset as well as provide free resources for uh, young people to be able to access, whether it's hosting a support group um, or whether it's, you know, providing helpful tips or anything that can help them uh, in their lives. Right. I think that's so important because it is, I think, again, drawing the similarities with the cyberbully, the education part of things and the awareness side of things is so important, but it's got to go further than that because what I've seen personally is that when I'm delivering these sessions and doing this and I'm physically pre-COVID in front of them or on a, a Zoom call and it's it's the topmost priority at that moment in time, but then once you get off the call or the session is finished, then it sort of goes from being the most important thing. It quickly goes down the list of, 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 um, of priorities because real life comes back in, right? I've got to get the kids here. I've got to do this, got to do that. Um, and it's trying to make sure that it stays up there, I think. And I think for things like mental health, especially, and again, this parallel, because we're seeing that millennials and, and generation Z now with the issues that they are facing in the online world are connected to people, but they're also lonely. And, and they're also more likely to come out and actually say that I'm lonely or that I don't feel well, something is wrong. And they are wanting to, to, to talk about these kind of things, but I guess they're not finding the right people to talk to because especially in, in the first instance, in an ideal world, that would be mum and dad um, or, or carer, grand, grandparents, uncle, auntie, whatever the, the family unit is. And I think it's really important that we give them as much resources and tools to help themselves and it's, it's really about empowerment but I also have found that over the last couple of years we've needed to really focus on mum and dad more because they're kind of the linchpin of this and yep. without their support and their understanding of of the topics um, it's potentially pushing our children further and further away is that something that you would agree Yeah, and I think you also have to recognize that for these parents, these are very new concepts, and they have to do a lot of unlearning, like generations of unlearning, because that's what they grew up with. Mm. So it's, you have to be cognizant of that fact as well. And then, uh, you know, keep that in mind and work towards building their knowledge and awareness. And also, you know, make them realize that, okay, if your child doesn't score like 95% and is 85, but your child is still happy and healthy, 
isn't that better for your child's overall well-being, right? We did a piece um, with Anusha Shravastva, who's uh, Director of Alumni Relations um, of the Department of Statistics at Columbia University. And she wrote this piece about the case for uh, being mediocre. And she's mm -hmm. not saying that your child should be mediocre for, you know, the rest of their lives. It's saying that if your child is excelling in something and is, you know, just doing okay in something else, isn't that better than to have you constantly push your child to excel across the board and have that impact your child's well-being? Wouldn't you rather notice that, okay, my child is really good at music. Maybe that's something that I can foster. Maybe that's a talent that I can inculcate instead of constantly pushing them towards, no, you must enroll in, you know, uh, high school AP math or this or that. Look, that was the case with me. My parents recognized early on that journalism was my passion and is what I wanted to do. And that's the direction that they gently nudged me in. It wasn't like, you must take science, you must take math, you must do this. You know, they made sure I had the basics to get me through life, but it wasn't ever that uh, you you're not performing in these subjects you can't won't be able to make anything out of your life right yeah they, were, they knew early on that this is what i wanted to do and they said okay work towards doing that because that's what's going to make you happy in life which is is, is great and this is actually something an interesting point something that we were talking about previously uh, before we started recording this because I, i'd like to, to bring this into the conversation about th this idea of privilege in terms of that we, for, for sure, myself, in terms of I enjoy so many privileges that I'm completely um, unconscious of, you know, because of how I've grown up and where I've grown up. And I'm mixed race as well, but it's it's different from, from other people's situations as well. Um, but this idea of when the, these subjects, is it something that should be across the board? Because it's great that, you know, your parents recognize that early on and were in a position to then sort of gently, gently nudge you. But there, are there correlations between, and this is because of other things that are out there, are there correlations with um, communities that have a lower um, standard of living and so forth in these situations whereby the, the level of education for mum and dad is perhaps not there for them to even be able to notice that this is what's happening and that they're then just falling back and saying, you know what, we just need, you need to do good in everything. And I'm going to push you and push you and push you to be good across the board. Is there, is that true to say is there correlations there in terms of this idea of privilege playing into this? Absolutely. And which is where you have, uh, you need to have schools step in, whether that is through providing a, uh, an admissions counselor or a guidance counselor or providing um, somebody who can, you know, a teacher who maybe speaks the same language as the parents and understands the culture and can um, address those challenges or address those topics with the parents and make them realize because you're rightly said that it is a matter of privilege. My parents have, uh, you know, my parents are educated, both have their PhD. So they recognize that for their kids, um, their well-being comes first. Mm. But a lot of parents, while they may have their child's best interest at heart, they won't necessarily be able to understand how to navigate it or to communicate that because they want their child to have a better life. And that is true in a lot of immigrant communities, especially when parents have had to start in a new country from scratch. Yeah. Right. They want to everything they're doing is for their child. So they want their child to be able to take the family forward, to be able to have the best future. 
possible, but this is where schools should step in. You should have organizations, you should have, uh, you know, other initiatives where parents are, uh, you can have that conversation with parents. You can sit everyone down, even providing, um, you know, affordable mental health resources for parents to be able to tackle their own uh, trauma that they've been living with or their own challenges, whether it's in their marriage, whether it's at work or whatever else it is. Um, I think it's, it has to be across the board to be able to tackle uh, these because ultimately all of them, all of it will trickle down to a child's well-being and, you know, impact the next generation. Mm, so true. And I think that it's it's only a positive thing that these kind of topics like um, mental health and, and inclusion and so forth have, are becoming more well, less taboo for, for whatever reason that they were, um, that they are becoming less so and that there is the ability for people to recognize that asking for help is not a weakness, that if I feel like something is wrong, the ability to talk to somebody about this is really important. And I think that whilst there, there does seem to be more and more people doing that, there's still so many people that are not and that are still fighting against the um, the programming from from how they were brought up and and, and, and trying to um, be aware enough to break the cycle. And it's something that I'm very conscious of with my own children of, of understanding, okay, why am I acting like that to them? It's not them. They, <laughs> I'm putting so much pressure on a three and a half year old to understand the concept that I'm trying to, to convey to him and he's not getting it. And I'm the one that's getting frustrated. It's like, Hang on a minute. Let's let's roll back a bit. But I think that it's also it's um, a, it, the the ability, the privilege I have to be able to think about that. But also, I think that people perhaps now are actively searching for that as well, and 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 going online and the the number of searches for mental health and mental well being and so forth across social media, across Google, are increasing. Um, but to, to tie that into with what you've done, what was there a specific reason for sort of basing yourself? here then to, to set up reset having been in, in canada for, for education and so forth born and brought up um, in different places what was the the the, the choice for for the uae as the as the base for reset if, if it is correct me if i'm wrong if that's not the case <laughs> Uh, we cover a lot um, based out of India as well as here. So I'm between um, India and the UAE. But for me, the UAE, uh, it made sense because this is my home, right? I My parents live here. For me, it made uh, natural sense to be able to come back home. And if you look at it as a young person, this is a great place to be because you meet people from all across the world. It's a perfect uh, mix of the East and the West. It's a great quality of life. My family's here, my friends are here. Um, there's a lot to do as a uh, young person. And, you know, uh, you can meet such great talent. All you have to do is just, you know, go to Youth Hub, uh, where I used to spend a lot of my early days working on reset and figuring stuff out. I would be sitting in youth hub and you'd have, you know, 10 different people like me working on their ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great place uh, to innovate. And for, it was for me to be able to foster my um, idea and creativity and uh, just also because the communities are so uh, tight knit, it was easier for me to reach out to people, pick their brains and uh, see what the, what was missing and how we could step in and fill that gap. Yeah. Amazing. From, from reset's perspective, is there, you, you're obviously doing a whole load of stuff at the moment. You've curated and collected uh, the, these uh, resources, these people that are bringing the, 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 the content together. You've got various different areas of the website. What is it that you want to see happening next from Reset's perspective? Because you've highlighted a couple of things that you would like to see 
happening within the communities that we need more support from the schools, we need support from governments, I'm guessing from that side of things. What would you like to see actually happening from Reset's perspective or what are your plans for moving forward to try and help continue this conversation, continue this education journey? I think for us now, uh, initially early on, we were having doing a lot more one-on-one or physical um, you know events or interactions whether that was here or in India but with COVID obviously we had to scale it back so I think for us uh, in India right now it certainly won't be possible Uh, but here I think we're going to start looking at venturing back out again whether it's hosting physical safe spaces to uh, have conversations like we've had it on male mental health, we've had it on raising a child of determination and just providing parents that safe space to be able to have conversations and discuss the challenges or their fears uh, around those or even the light moments. So I think for us now is trying to figure out how we can uh, just get back out in front of people in a safe manner, because I think that's really important. Because as we know, like Zoom fatigue is also a real thing. And uh, while it's great that you can do, you know, a screen, like screen to screen interaction or whatever, I think the you in a lot of these topics, you need to be in front of someone, you need to be able to, uh, you know, hold their hand while they're crying and comfort them uh, through a lot of these things and just, uh, you know, foster that safe space, which I think, um, you know, considering the situation in India, which is so bad right now, that is needed, but that of course can't happen, which is why we're having online support groups. But I think here in the UAE with life back to normal, more or less, we want to look at what the challenges are post COVID or in like a post COVID life um, and figure out how to um, navigate that. Yeah, no, I think that's very true because I I believe that there's going to be a whole host of um, issues, I guess is the best way that that people are not fully aware that they are experiencing because we're all under these, these rules at the moment. But as you said, as we start to, um, the, the, the vaccination process is going very well. We're, we're very lucky here in terms of we can pretty much go out and about, wear masks and so forth. That as, as life goes back to uh, some semblance of normality, there's going to be things that are cropping up that people think, oh. Um, and we, we actually we started talking about this pre, pre-recording about children that have been born and, and have been for, you know their formative years through the last sort of two years worth of time they've not really had that much exposure to other babies and other kids um yeah and what that's actually going to mean for them but then also what that impact is on mum and dad who say oh well why is my child like that around other children and why are they doing certain things or what what are these what are the implications for that because i think it's going to be very very uh, in- interesting um but also challenging i think perhaps m- more so for the um the mental health workers uh, that will have to um, deal with this kind of stuff. Um, so from Reset's perspective, do you partner with those kind of uh, people to, to, to help? Uh, so if somebody, I'm imagining that some people probably come directly through the, 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 the website platform with issues asking for help, do you then, are you partnered with a number of these, these uh, healthcare professionals that can help people if they've got these issues? 
Yeah, so we have a roster of our trusted and vetted healthcare professionals and clinics and also a list of, you know, free support groups or anything else if someone can't afford to pay for therapy. So when someone does reach out to us, we do direct them uh, to those. And uh, even if it's finding helplines or anything, we have all that information. So whatever it is, uh, we do that. And then we also have a ask the expert section on our website. So if somebody has a question for one of our experts, they can send it in and the person's uh, question will be addressed by the expert on our website. We also do a lot of Instagram lives with mental health experts, with people sharing their lived experiences to foster that sense of uh, safe space. Um, and of course, ask questions that they might otherwise not be able to ask. So actually our DMs are always, always full of people asking for more resources or saying, can you please cover this or right. you know can you how do I talk to my parents about this uh so yeah it's a lot of uh that yeah yeah I can imagine the social media is obviously the the place for people to come now with anything um so it's it, it's it's both good that they're able to find you and do that it's both sad because they're having to find you to do that from that sort of thing but I think yeah. it's also that's the reality right that, that's the reality of what's happening so being that resource to help uh, from from that side of things is uh, is fantastic i think that people can so just on that before we shift on to the next bit, what where can people find you on social media <laughs> if they were to look a to research this but also if they were looking to reach out what's your handles our instagram handle is at reset your everyday and our website is reset Awesome. And is that the best channel to go through from, from social perspective? Instagram is where everybody's DMing you like crazy. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, with the platforms as well, you have the age demographic. So on Facebook, we have more of the parents and the older demographic reaching out to us for young people. It's primarily Instagram on Twitter. You have a certain subset of that population where I think they're maybe in their thirties who are reaching out to us. So, uh, depending on whichever platform you use, we're on all platforms, including LinkedIn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, which is almost necessity now, especially for something yeah. that, you know, with research uh, perspective and with the, 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 the younger generation, do you, does it, are you, what you're seeing in terms of the DMs coming through, is it in tandem or agreeing with this idea that the younger generation is happier reaching out to ask for help around these certain things? Is that what you're seeing? I think so, because they know that there's that sense of um, that they can be anonymous while reaching out and the fact that um, reset is a safe space for them. So I'm not going to, you know, screenshot that this person has said something or has shared that uh, they were being uh, they were living in an abusive home. I'm not going to share that on my stories. Mm. So there is that sense that, yes, uh like I see other young people reaching out or I, I see other young people doing videos for a reset. It must mean that I am able to get support or to be able to access these resources for myself or share what I'm going through. Um, I think like on a weekly basis, we just ask our followers, like, how are you doing today? Or what was this? And the amount of stuff that, you know, the deeply personal uh, stories that they share, it, it makes me feel proud that we've, been able to build this space and I also feel um I think that level of empathy where you're trusting me with your stories yeah. and that you're trusting you're sharing like the deepest darkest things that are happening in your life whether including uh you know someone uh said that I'm seeing all these deaths happening around the world and I feel completely numb mm. 
And mm. I just feel like it's not affecting me anymore. And this was a 17 year old girl. She says, does that mean that I'm not a good person? It's I'm, like, how do you even yeah, <laughs> grapple you with something like this at 17? When I was 17, this was, you know, I was just like, I can't wait to get my braces off and uh, do this and do that. But at 17, they're facing an entirely different reality that is of mortality and just, you know, staying alive and experiencing what's supposed to be normal, which they can't on a large uh, level. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 insane. And so, to a certain point in my mind, that they're having to deal with these kind of things, and and also that the the level of access to this kind of information, because that's also you know when when I was seventeen, I didn't have access to all of what's happening elsewhere around the world, and so my worries then were reduced to a much smaller geography, and and everything sort of revolved around that smaller geography. But now, obviously, with the internet and the access to all of this, you've got. 17 year olds you've got 10 year olds you've got 11 year olds who are seeing and and experiencing certain things that they're not physiologically capable of dealing with um, and this is something that is very close to, to what we do that they then say well what what do I do with that and where do I go because I've tried to talk to mum and dad or at least I feel like I've tried to talk to mum and dad I don't feel like they've actually understood what I was saying have any interest in what I was saying because of what's not and so then they start to internalize some of this stuff and they they are as an 11 year old 12 year old 70 year old trying to solve the issues of the world um and it's yeah, that's causing them problems in itself because those are huge huge conceptual ideas that no one's expecting an 11 year old or a 17 year old to fix but if you're feeling that way then it's also this outlet to be able to actually talk to somebody about it um that they are finding you and and able to do that and then being pushed in the direction to help them talk to somebody that can help them process all of that kind of information. And and as I'm saying this, I'm not, I'm not advocating a world where 11 year olds are in therapy because of this, but as you go through this process, I think that it really is this sharing of information and knowledge to parents to help that filtering come down to, to our children, because otherwise this next generation that's coming through is, when I talk to them, I say, you know, the, you are the guys that are going to fix a lot of the problems that we've created. You're going to come up with the solutions because you're thinking about things differently. But I also see so many of them struggling with the day to day because they are got all of these levels on top of the physiological changes. So, you know, going through puberty and whatever, but now adding on top of that digital and the exposure to all of this stuff, it's a, it's a difficult difficult world for them to grow up in and so i think that hopefully things like uh, reset can provide them and maybe maybe not that young but maybe you can tell me sort of how do, do you can you gauge the age of, of people coming through do you see sort of teens and preteens asking you questions is it more towards that um, young adult age group that are coming through it's 16 and onwards primarily that uh, reach out to us i think before that you have a lot of um you know, social media monitoring from the parent side uh, on a uh, stricter scale. But I think for our uh, audience, it's mainly 16 and older. Right. Okay. Interesting. And did you see that there's a lot at that 16 point? Because I'm, I'm interested in wondering whether, because you're right, there is sort of monitoring until that point and whether at that point where they've almost said, okay, you're, you're 16, we're going to give you that kind of freedom from this kind of thing. Is it that that's almost like the trigger to say, right now, I want to go and talk to somebody else about this. Or is it, is it just that they're 16 and up and there's no real correlation? I, I just think um, 
at 16, they probably have a fair bit more knowledge or awareness in terms of reaching out for help or support, or that conversation is quite prevalent in their friends group. But I think a large part of it for us also um, is that either these kids have their own Instagram accounts that their parents don't know about at 16, uh, or their parents have just said, okay, you do your thing. And of course, the other thing we also get is Instagram has those vanish messages, Mm -hmm. uh, right? So we also have a lot of kids sharing their problems through the vanish messages and saying, you know, is there any support group for something like this? Uh, Because then when their parents look at it, they won't be able to... Yeah, so you really have to keep up with, uh, you know, how they think. Yeah, for sure, and it's it's really that, that's why it's so interesting to to understand that they are needing help. They they are cognizant of the fact that they want somebody to help them, yeah. but they're maybe not seeing the um, the 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 resource to do that in terms of where you know they're that it's it's saddening because i've seen like say a lot of this that they have to resort to that of using something like disappearing messaging to say something to somebody else to try and get some feedback so that their own family unit doesn't know and i know there are some cultural and, and, and other issues where that's almost essential um and that's a whole other conversation but it is it's it is slightly saddening that they're they're having to think so creatively about how to use the technology to hide certain things from other people in order to get help whereas i in an ideal world we'd want them to be able to reach out without that kind of issue but i think that's going to happen in every generation right like you hid stuff from your parents and had ways to sneak around the same thing i uh, found ways to do what i needed to do if i wasn't allowed to do something because so i think it's just every generation or every child uh will find ways to get around and that unfortunately or fortunately is the reality that uh every parent has to live with it. At some point, your child is going to do something you don't want them to. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and that is definitely part of the the reality. (laughs) I think that part of my work has shown is that unfortunately, when I chose to hide things from my parents when I was a child, the the issues were perhaps, I said, they were not as wide reaching in terms of the implications of my actions right then, probably reached as far as my school, my class, my community, my, my town or city the ramifications for some of the young people now is, is global uh, and, and also the ability for people to access them when they're hiding certain things from their parents um, has, has perhaps heightened or amplified the level of danger. That's my worry about it because once they start doing these things and they see that they can get away with it, it tends to escalate. And then we end up seeing some of these, um, unfortunately, some of these negative scenarios unfolding in the online space. But you're absolutely right. It's about balance and it's about mum and dad being aware of how these things can and it's a it's a game almost of, of they're trying to always stay ahead we're trying to catch up they find new ways of doing things um and then we're like wow and sometimes i have to when i deliver these sessions i have to, I have to applaud the creativity because <laughs> yeah. the amount of effort they put into finding that workaround maybe we just need to guide the energy in a different direction <laughs> because that's amazing but let's try and push it towards maybe a more positive uh, outcome from that side of things. Yeah. Um, but um, from from your perspective, Akanksha, and uh, um, I'd, I'd like to sort of um, end the, the the interview as I do with all of our guests, just to ask you from a personal level, we always ask, like to ask people that have set up something themselves um, about resources, recommendations of, um, of anything really. And it can be people, it can be books, it could be online tools, it could be podcasts that you personally use, either from Reset's perspective or for Akanksha you know, herself. Um, any, any resources that you would sort of recommend that people check out 
out if they're thinking about going down this route or just would like some more information or show an interest in some of the topics that we've talked about? I have three things here. Uh, The first is reach out to people who are already in your industry and who have established or are ahead of you in their entrepreneurial journey so that you can learn from them, their challenges, uh, their successes early on, and you are able to then approach your business from that perspective. So for me, um, when I became a boss or a manager, I reached out to my friends who were already editor-in-chief at certain organizations and uh, some of the best media houses in the world. And I said, What are the challenges you face in your daily life? What is it like being a boss? What is it that you wish somebody had told you? So I really picked their brain over dinner multiple times, just trying to learn and be able to implement that and foresee the challenges that I might face um, just in my own journey as a leader. Uh, So I think that's definitely something I highly recommend. And even in terms of uh, just looking at the logistical side, whether it's a website developer or whatever else you need, speak to people uh, and see if they have people they recommend within their network who can help you out or if uh, what they think that you're going to need. Because one thing that I didn't realize when starting a business is the amount of admin work you have to do on a daily basis. And I was like, nobody you know, prepared me for this until like I started reaching out and everyone was like, oh yeah, you have to do this paperwork. You have to do, you know, build this invoice. You have to do all of that. So that's unfortunately, you know, the unglamorous hard reality of being an entrepreneur. So that is definitely something um, I would say is learn from others. Um, The second thing would be for me um, is that I uh, learned to let go of perfection. Mm, Okay. And realize, yeah, and realize that not everything, not every product, not every story has to be perfect all the time. You have to weigh the pros and the cons. Am I going to, uh, you know, look after my well-being slightly more and or, you know, my team's well-being and are we going to be more efficient if, you know, something isn't all the way there and we can just get it out there and then work towards uh, any changes. So I think for me, learning to let go of perfection and embracing um, vulnerability has been a huge Part, and it's something I still learn and work on every day because every entrepreneur wants to be perfect, wants everything, you know, all the uh, boxes checked, but that's not necessarily the practical reality of running a business. Mm-hmm. That one. And I think the third one is that I rely a lot on time blocking and okay. I uh, create my schedule or my to-do list the night before. And I know that, okay, from it's going to take me one hour to do this, or, you know, this is only a 15 minute task. So this also helps me not only be more efficient, but also not get as overwhelmed when I realize that, okay, some of these are just like five minute tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or if I just set out an hour, I can reply to all the emails that are pending. Right. So I think it's also just managing the, uh, my to-do list on a daily basis as well. That's, that's brilliant. I think those are two, those are three really, really good points. I, I really, really agree with the second one about perfection. Um, I have a, a saying that's on, on my wall that good enough is good enough sometimes. Um, that it, it, the, the pursuit of perfection is often in, um, 
a an excuse not to put something out there really is that and it's, it's overrated not? honestly it's overrated right <laughs> yeah so just just sometimes it get, get, to get it out there so i really really love that one um so thank yeah thank you for, for, for those ones and i think very much the the time allocation is something that i'm continually working with myself to block out time in my diary i manage everything from my diary and i've got all of these like purple book bots all the way down there um but it does help me as well uh, on a daily basis to understand okay well that's what i'm doing and then everything else actually can go off literally as I'm, I'm focusing on that you focus on that for a little bit of time whatever time that is and then it gets done and then suddenly you're like okay right i got got through this so i think that's brilliant brilliant advice as and well also that not everything on your to-do list needs to be done today for me early on it was like okay this is what i need to do all of this needs to be done today but then i also started to prioritize okay this can go out later in the week this i don't necessarily need to reply to something right away so managing that in my internal dialogue has also just helped me sleep better i think yeah <laughs> which is a massive thing you got to sleep right that's uh, yeah. probably something else that we could talk about at length in terms of how important it is that in spite of being super busy in spite, in spite of being a, a leader and you running this organization and pushing this all is that you need to have that kind of structure to um to allow yourself to sleep better because without sleep there's i think that's also maybe one of those subjects because people always said oh you know i've only had two hours of worth of sleep so i must be working really hard and actually maybe that's not such a good thing anymore no i definitely not (laughs) and i like sleep too so it's it's a good way like you say to manage your time get what you need done done understand what can go till till tomorrow and and like i said i harp on about it but i really i really do believe that this idea of it's good enough to get it out there, get it out there. We can, we can receive some feedback on it. We can, we can see what that kind of feedback is. We can amend it if it needs doing, or actually we can say, you know what, it's done what it was supposed to do. It it really has done what it was, even though we didn't have all the T's crossed and I's dotted the way we would have thought it still did its job. Yeah. Clubhouse is the perfect example of that, right? Mm -hmm. I joined it, I think uh, in September last year and just looking at how the app has evolved in the last few months they didn't even have it on android they just focused uh getting it on um apple and Mm -hmm. ios and just perfecting that looking at the tweaks and then expanding and doing whatever else they've had to so it's sort of like consolidating and then growing and i think that's really important as well because you don't want to open too many fronts as an entrepreneur and then falter across all yeah, no, very true. And it's something that I've seen when my time at Microsoft, they were the kings of this, is that they release things in beta to the public. And that's really their testing phase. It's not perfect. And then you get all of the feedback and then there's an official launch later on. There's still issues. Of course there is. But, you know, at least you've, you've got something out there. You've got real life feedback from, from your audience. And they say, okay, well, that's really interesting. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate those. And I think that our listeners will as well uh, to, to, to incorporate those into our, our processes on a daily basis. It just remains for me to say, Kanksha, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us on, on the podcast today. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Barry, so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. And to everybody listening in, thanks for tuning in on this episode. As always, if you would like us to talk to somebody in particular, drop us a line at wishlist at swanglingies.rocks and we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglingies with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.